Hello folks, welcome to Meow Tavern. A podcast where we dive into the possible alternative endings for anime, movies, and games. I'm your host Ashrita, joined by my co-host Jeremy, and today we'll be exploring the Star Wars franchise. So Jeremy, what do you like about the Star Wars? It could be the old trilogy, the prequels, and the new trilogy. What do you like? Some of the things I liked about the original trilogy of Star Wars was the way it presented a compelling story with characters that you can connect with. Luke Skywalker begins the first movie as a stranded young man whose family has just been murdered, whose home is now destroyed, and is being helped by a new mentor who is an extremely powerful Jedi willing to teach Luke Skywalker how to use the Force for good. The Empire is clearly the bad guys, no question, because they have a weapon powerful enough to destroy entire planets. And they are using this power to gain control and put their own will on others. I really like the villains of Star Wars, the Darth Vader and the music that accompanies when he's on screen is really a nice touch to that. It's it honestly is just beautiful in that way because when that theme song comes on, you know that Darth Vader is there, you know? So that's the most I think that's one of the things that I really like about the old trilogy. It's a, it's a really smart way of letting the audience know that here's the bad guy. He's coming, you know, and his mask and the way he sounded through that. And you can hear the ventilator sometimes when he breathes. Um, it kind of lets the audience kind of know a little about him without t- truly getting into what happened to him because we don't really get to learn much about him, not till the prequels. That, I thought, was a really interesting touch that they added to it. I agree. They present Darth Vader in a way that you know just enough about him to realize he is the bad guy, he's incredibly powerful, and he has no mercy for those that he hates. I think uh, what I thought was interesting, and you told me this, and we saw this in the uh, behind-the-scenes footage, was that um, in one of the droids, and no, I think in both the droids, there were actual people in the costumes. Another interesting thing about those characters and the people inside of the machines, in the first movie, they spend quite a bit of time on Tatooine, as well as the second movie. And on Tatooine, the people inside of those metal robots were literally being cooked inside the machines because they were so hot. I couldn't believe it that it was a 1977 movie because it's really creative and really nice, nicely done. Like all the aliens on the set, you, you get to see when they go into like a bar or something. It's really nicely done. The costumes, they put a lot of effort into it. Uh, I thought it was really cool. It, I could, yeah, I can't believe it's from 1977 when you compare it to other movies that came around that time. So I really liked the environment, the setting. Definitely another thing that I thought was really cool while watching it was um, the setting of Yoda, of how they used him, his puppet, and moved him around and stuff. I thought that was interesting as well. That was pretty cool. And lightsabers, the concept of lightsabers. I really like that as well. Yeah, the lightsabers are really interesting because they are this 
weapon made of, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like electricity and heat, and it cuts through everything, but it's like just light. It's a light saber. Mm -hmm. It cuts through everything. It has the ability to deflect blaster rounds. It's extremely strong, but it's also very dangerous to wield because it would be so easy to hurt yourself. It w it's incredibly powerful, but with that power, you have to be able to harness it. And I think only um, a Jedi are the only right. ones who can wield the lightsabers. Yeah, it's a very rare weapon. It's a very rare ceremonial weapon. Wielded by the Jedi, the good, and the evil. It's also kind of cool how each color of a lightsaber determines a different quality in the Jedi wielding it, or the Sith wielding it. Different roles usually have different colors. I can't remember off the top of my head what each role was, but I remember the blue lightsaber was a Jedi Knight, which was catered more towards using force to extract yeah. good from a situation. I think in the prequels, one of the things that I really liked um, had to be how it was in a more urban area. You got to see a much more futuristic planet and futuristic city life. I thought that was really nice. That's where all the Jedi were at that council. With the newer movies, the prequels, they were able to do a lot more with the cities. With all the CGI effects, they could create massive cities with insanely high buildings. And uh, it really showed the ability of their computer effects over practical effects. In the 70s, they probably wouldn't have been able to pull off large-scale buildings mm -hmm. like that with it looking good. That's definitely something you can see as the movies progress in time. They get more impressive with CGI, and they're able to demonstrate much more impressive battle scenes, a lot of cooler fight scenes, the choreography, the CGI, the details, the different ways they can wield the lightsaber. In the, in the newest trilogy, you get to see different uses of the force. Kylo Ren wields the force in a way that he can control blasters and send them back or even hold them in motion where they're locked in place, which is what they demonstrated in the first new trilogy movie. That was really cool to watch. In The Phantom Menace, one of the most iconic fight scenes is between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn versus The Phantom Menace, who was the uh, Darth Maul character, the Sith Lord, or Sith Apprentice, who was wielding a dual saber, which was that massive saber. That was really fun to watch. He's able to do all kinds of cool maneuvers, uh, The and, and while doing so, he's fighting off two Jedi, but is eventually defeated. Overall, you never see a fight scene that compelling in the original trilogy. They just aren't able to pull off something like that with the effects and with the with the practical effects. I liked also how in the new trilogies, uh, they introduced a new way of using the Force, kind of like how Rey and Kylo Ren are talking to each other. Right. It kind of demonstrated the connection between Kylo Ren and Rey through the Force. It was actually placing them in the same environment because of the connection being so strong. There are other connections in the Force from previous trilogies between Luke Skywalker and Leia, they can sense when each other are in danger, they can sense uh, each other's presence, 
But such a strong connection is not found until you get to this new trilogy between Kylo, Ren, Kylo and Rey. So why is it so popular? Like, how did it get so big? I feel that Star Wars was able to present a science fiction, futuristic environment, and futuristic galaxy better than anything else has done before. I don't know if it's been done to the extent that Star Wars has at that time. I think that was the first time you really got to see a futuristic sci-fi other than Star Trek, which those two were like rivals. Star Trek was... I, I think Star Trek was a lower like budget and lower quality. It mm. might not have been lower budget. But I feel like Star Wars was the first movies that came out with the quality of practical effects, with the quality of actors, and the quality of character development. Star Wars really takes the cake, in my opinion. Is there anything you didn't like? You know? I have a hard time thinking of things I would have changed about the original trilogy because for the time I feel like it did an exceptional job of presenting the story, moving the plot, with, with the pacing and with the development of characters, I feel like the original trilogy did a really solid job. However, as you venture into the later movies, there are things that do begin to bother me. In the prequels, I watched Jar Jar Binks as a child and he was a very fun character when I was like 10 or 12 years old. As I've grown up and rewatched the movies, it's hard to not notice how Jar Jar just jumps into the shot and messes up stuff and takes all the attention <laughs> away from the story and the main characters and he's just this goofy chaotic thing that you witness repeatedly do dumb things and you're trying to like get a laugh out of the audience with. He will stick his tongue into a pod racer's electrical current and he'll make a goofy noise getting electrocuted. That'll be the shot. And you're like, what's happening? And then all the kids in the background are laughing. But you're like, what's going on? This is crazy. Um, he'll be in a fight scene. And he'll just knock over a bunch of missiles and they'll explode or something. It's just a bunch of random nonsense happening whenever he's on screen. Did Disney at this point per uh, buy off the series? No. From no? <laughs> no. It wasn't Star Wars Disney yet. Uh, Star Wars isn't bought until Disney until well after the prequels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing that bothered me was definitely the romance. There was a little too much going on. They hold on to certain shots for too long when it could have been just a couple of seconds long. Just, it it's very um, jarring because it's a Star Wars movie, but then they kind of jam pack all these romance. I know it's necessary, but it didn't have to be so much of it. Yeah, and the romance between Anakin and Princess Amidala, between Anakin and Padme, the romance between those two is just really weird. When Anakin first is introduced to Padme, she is way older than him. He's mm -hmm. like eight years old, Max, and she's like at least 16 or 18. And somehow those two in the later movies are together, which is so really weird. There's there's like a 10-year gap, and they're really young. But then in the later movies, she's the same actress, and it's a new actor. And now they seem like they're the same age, so it, it, that's really inconsistent. But like you said, a lot of the plot is pushed with the romance between these two for some reason. And 
yes, it does pan out to something, but in the first movie, it's not about them. In the second movie, it becomes like all about them. And then in the third movie, you actually begin to see some chemistry and the relationship does hold a really important role. So although the second movie, the romance is really weird, in the third movie, I think it did pay off. And you get to see the culmination of the Republic, which is growing and becoming something good. And then the ultimate fallout that comes from the breaking of this relationship and ultimately the fall of Anakin from the light side to the dark. And the, the reason that this relationship is so important is because it exposes Anakin. It makes him uh, weak. Yeah, it weakens him in that he has something that can make him betray all that is good. His love for Padme is so great, he's willing to destroy all the Jedi, he's willing to murder younglings, he's willing to bring the Republic from its good core values, and it's willing. he's willing to break the Republic down into the Empire just to try and save Padme's life. But it's really cool because you get to see Darth Vader from the original trilogy, you get to see his origin story, which he starts out as a Jedi. Mm -hmm. He starts out as a good character, and he develops into a great character, but then he falls. I think the ending for for that prequels, the prequels was pretty, pretty gruesome, and it kind of shows you, like you were saying, his fall. Very important. But romance could have still been toned down a bit. Yeah. It bothered me. Um, I think in the new movies, um, the second movie, uh, which was called The Last Jedi, was pretty bad. It was a pretty bad movie. It was all over the place, very messy. I think it had a new director as well, so a separate director from the first one. So it just felt like it was. It just wasted a lot of time. There was this really bad casino scene because they had to chase after a codebreaker, but none of that would have happened if there was proper communication happening uh, in the rebel base. You know, there's a purple-haired lady that gets put in charge. She has an escape plan, but she does not share this with Poe, Finn, or anyone else. And of course, Finn and Rose start kind of doing their own shenanigans, looking for a um, code breaker and pick a random jailer. I felt like the first movie of the new trilogy was like, okay, it was decent. It was a placeholder. It progressed the, the storyline of the old movies. It brought a new trilogy, but then the second movie took everything that was built up and it completely ignored it and did a whole bunch of other random stuff. It was convoluted, it was a mess, the pacing was off, the whole casino sequence was a complete waste of time that panned out to absolutely nothing, like you said. The entire purpose of the casino scene, the casino sequence, which was like 40 minutes of this two and a half hour movie, was for Finn and Rose to meet the Codebreaker so that they could stop the New Order from tracking their spaceship through hyperspeed. That was the entire purpose. They do not find the Codebreaker. They do not stop the New Order from tracking them through hyperspeed. And it wasn't even necessary. Because all along, the commander, like you said, had a whole plan to get them to a safe position 
without disclosing any of this plan to her commander, Poe Dameron, or Cameron, Poe, mm -hmm. Poe, commander of the ex-pilots. She didn't tell anyone about her plan. She was leading them away from the attacking ships using all of their fuel, and it was only a matter of time before they were caught up and destroyed. So that was the reason that Poe even tried to overthrow her or tried to uh, do a mutiny because they were going to die and their leader seemed like a complete imbecile, which to a degree she was. Yeah, it made no sense. Like you would never realistically hide this kind of information from the commander of pilots and stuff like that. You would disclose this so that everyone is coordinated and has a better grasp on things and everyone is calm and collected. You know, she did a really poor job. And l like you said, because of all that, we had this BS casino sequence that did not need to be in the movie at and all. We're, we're pretty sure it was like a half hour to 40 minutes mm -hmm. in this long movie. So had you just axed that whole bit, the movie would have at least had better pacing. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have felt so drawn out. Because watching The Last Jedi, it felt too long. I remember in the movie theater, being hyped for it, sitting there, eating my popcorn, and being like, this movie is too long. What is happening? Like, what is going on? This is way too much stuff. Had they at least used that to build up the relationship between Luke and Rey, which was totally neglected in the second movie, they could at least have done something to build the characters in this new trilogy. They introduce a whole bunch of new characters, they do very little with them, and they make the entire trilogy suffer because of it. They don't build up the story, instead they, they break it down, they kill Snoke, they do a lot of wacky stuff, and they leave everything in dismay and confusion. And at this point in the movie, I was also pretty annoyed by Finn's character. He, you know, the first movie starts off with him. It starts with him. Him escaping or planning an escape from, um, what do you New call order. it? The New Order. Yeah. He is planning his escape. He does not want to be a stormtrooper anymore. And that's how the movie starts. And since he sees Rey in that little town, he meets her and he has been obsessed. And by the second movies, when I was like, oh my god, that's all there is to his character. There's nothing more. There was so much potential to him, but that's it. That was something that I did not like about the movies. Finn's character to me in the first movie, I, it keeps bothering me. What's the name of the first movie in the new trilogy? It's like... The Force Awakens. Oh yeah, The Force Awakens. In The Force Awakens, Finn's character, to me, is the most interesting one because we have never had a character that was a stormtrooper turned good working for the Rebellion. That was a really good job by The Force Awakens. I'm a big fan of that character concept. Mm -hmm. In the second movie, they do nothing with it. He is the most boring character. All his character is is someone chasing after Rey trying to find where she is. He doesn't do anything. Mm -hmm. His entire casino scene pans out to nothing. And then they, for some reason, introduce, like, a new romance between him and the new character, Rose. It's out of nowhere. Uh, the kiss between those two, it was like, what is going on at the end of the, at the, end of the, the Last Jedi? It, it didn't make any sense. Oh, I totally forgot that that yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah, she, like, saves his life and stops him. It, in the second movie, he tries to drive himself in the speeder bike into the uh, ram 
or like the, you know, they had like a laser beam oh, ram yeah. that was breaking their base down. He was going to throw himself into it and blow it up. And I thought, okay, his character hasn't really done anything. At least this is something cool he could do. And he's going to blow himself up to save the rebellion because they're like going to all die right now. The whole idea is they're dying right now. Like right now, the trilogy is going to end. The rebellion is all going to die right now. But Finn is going to blow himself up inside of their cannon thing and kill all of them. I was like, okay, I'm on board with that. That's pretty cool. Rose decides otherwise. Her ship is faster than anyone else's ship for some reason. And she can like catch up and knock him from the side away and save him from blowing up the laser beam thing oh, and then that's not even the end of the movie the movie continues then they have all kinds of more stuff happening it gets really lost you get totally lost in the second movie yeah there's a lot of filler i, d I don't even remember most of it i only remember the disappointing casino scene that's it the it movie felt, has so much bs in it it felt like there were 12 plot lines going on and they were all just like spider webs all going to nowhere and at the end of it, you're just like, was that good? I don't know. How long was that? Two and a half hours? Jeez, felt like four. Could have mm -hmm. fooled me. Dang. And and that whole time, they do barely anything with Luke Skywalker and Rey. The two... If you're not going to have Finn be the main character, Rey definitely is at this point. And what they do with Rey in the second movie, they, they don't really do much between her and Luke Skywalker. And then Luke Skywalker dies... And to me, that was a letdown because his character, the whole second movie, was disappointing. He w he did not feel consistently like he was Luke Skywalker from the original trilogy. He felt like a totally different character. He contradicts himself, doesn't he? He says um, um, uh, a good Jedi doesn't throw their uh, lightsaber away. Or he says something like that, but in the beginning of the second movie, he tosses the lightsaber. There's a contradiction think, that happens. I think you're confusing something they do in the third movie. In the third movie, they try and do a bunch of repair. Mm. In the third movie, Luke Skywalker, I think his first scene is like, oh, a lightsaber is not a toy to be thrown or something like that, or oh. not a toy to be disrespected or something like that. And that was a clear attempt to save face for the second movie. When I saw that, I was like, okay, yeah, this is the sec this is the new director or the, the previous director, the trying, original director trying to save face for what the other guy did because there was a huge disconnect between the two directors and how they directed the different movies. I think it was the same director for the first and third movie yes. and the second movie was Ryan Johnson. I think the first and third one was J.J. Abrams? Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty sure. Pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah, J.J. Um, Abrams. He tried his best, I think. With the third movie... I think the third movie, they did as much as they could with what they had. At this point, when you begin the third movie, Snoke is dead, who was the main villain. Oh my gosh, what do you do now? What the heck is the New Order? Because all they had was that red-haired dude who was like a total BS commander. He, he, and so what did they do? They bring back Palpatine from the dead, who's a really cool villain, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have him. What, what what else can they do? And Ray is his granddaughter. Yeah, they do a lot to progress the characters. Uh, Ray and Kylo are probably the two most important characters in the whole trilogy, and they face off. Would you change anything, any alternate endings to any of the series? 
I definitely would not have killed Snoke in the second movie, and I would have never taken Kylo's helmet off his face probably the entire trilogy. Yeah, that kind of lost its impact. I know, the okay, this is something that I always pointed out when we were watching the movies, and that was his hair was perfect whenever he took off the helmet. Just, he looked perfect. He looked like he was in, like, a teenage romance movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Twilight. <laughs> as soon as they took his helmet off, it was a Twilight trilogy. <laughs> He was Edward, and uh, Finn was a freaking werewolf, I guess. <laughs> Finn was the werewolf of the triangle, Kylo was Edward. There you go. That's the new trilogy. Uh, I would have for sure, and Kylo was far more intimidating with the helmet on. He really was. The voice was different, you know, it was deeper, the robotic vibe to it was very similar to Darth Vader. He was the new Darth Vader. Darth Vader didn't take his helmet off in the movies. The only time he took it off, it was to show that he was like a gravely ill, destroyed human being. He had no hair, veins all over. He looked old. And I don't think they even showed you the face. That was in like one of the original trilogies. And then at the end of the original trilogy, his helmet is dysfunctional and he's dying and they take it off and he's this old ugly, gross man. Mm-hmm. And it shows him as a failing life because he cannot—he can no longer live without all the apparatuses and the mechanical parts keeping him alive. Kylo Ren takes his helmet off. He's some young-looking kid. No longer scary. I think they also were trying to maybe show that he can have potential to move to the good side because you do need human facial expressions to show how maybe he might be feeling, he might be saying one thing, but he feels a certain way or feels another way. Maybe maybe they were trying to show the human or the good in him that's still left. I, well, I think that maybe that's what they tried to do at times. I think that makes sense. Uh, I think it makes sense because they really stress that Kylo Ren is a conflicted character and that he's not Kylo Ren, he's Ben. He's Ben, his father Han, and his mother Leia are both really good people, both have their own uh, connection with the Force, and you really hope that their son can turn back to good. And his story is also really tricky. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense how Luke raises his saber while he's sleeping and is thinking about murdering him. That threw me off. That threw me through a whole loop in The Last Jedi when that was explained. That's exactly what I was going to say, was that his backstory, like, for the the reason for him to switch was that moment that happened with Luke. Which was really inconsistent for me with Luke's character. Luke, the entire original trilogy, is trying to keep his family together. He's trying to fight for the good and when he is faced with his father Darth Vader he does not want to kill him he wants to turn him to good because he sees the little bit of good in Darth Vader he senses good in him and wants to turn him to good even though Darth Vader is one of if not the most powerful evil forces in the entire galaxy has gotten entire planets destroyed with the Death Star and actively hunted and murdered all the Jedi. Luke is still willing to try and turn that person to the good who's his own father. Why would he raise his lightsaber to kill his nephew who's never done anything evil 
just because he has a little bit of evil potentially in him. I don't believe Luke Skywalker's character out of fear would do that, would raise his lightsaber in the middle of the night on his nephew and scare him into the, into the evil side. That doesn't, that, to me, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Did that come out of the second movie? Yes. Or, yeah, that came out of the second movie. Yeah, second movie's a mess. In the first movie, Kylo Ren was evil, but I believe in the second movie is when they showed that scene as to why. I agree. I also think that Rey could have, and this is something that I was kind of conjuring up in my own mind, and that is they could have had Rey when we first see her, the first few scenes we see her scavenging. Maybe she could have already been practicing with the Force. Maybe that's something she figured out when she was a kid instead of just grabbing the lightsaber and just becoming a prodigy at it, you know? I I do see where you're coming from. The thing about how they presented the Force in the original trilogy and a lot of Star Wars stuff, although you can be strong with the Force, you don't generally know how to wield it unless you're taught by a Jedi Master. So it was really jarring in the second movie, like you said, when she already knows how to use the lightsaber like perfectly and knows how to wield the force without any teaching at all whatsoever. That was super weird. That didn't that didn't make any sense. She was already more powerful than Kylo Ren in like the second movie and in the first movie she was able to actually fight him. Kylo Ren had been taught by a Sith Lord, Snoke, in how to use the force. Luke Skywalker is incredibly powerful with the Force. He's been using it since he was young, and Rey comes in as a character and is already like stronger. It didn't. It didn't really make sense. They didn't progress her in order to get her to that point, and they didn't develop her character to to be able to do any of that. And it was really weird. I believe they should have done more with Finn's character. And I don't think there should have been any romance at all, especially between Kylo, Ren, and and Rey. I thought that was thought that was totally unnecessary. I mean, they did kind of uh, allude to that since the first movie. So, but I do think that Ben should have not died at the end of the last movie. There was so much more you could have done with his character. We got to see the villain him, but maybe we could have seen the good him. Maybe he could have progressed the story a little different. If if they switched him in the second movie, if, if we completely scrap out the second movie, we could scrap out the third movie. You know, there were so many different ways the new trilogy could have gone. The, the second movie just kind of messes up the whole flow of it with all the shenanigans. I agree. The second movie really throws everything into a tornado and then it spits all the parts back out and then the third movie they try and put everything back together. I think the other thing that they should have done with Rey, what I noticed was that she's she's OP, right? She's pr- prodigy, she's overpowered, she already knows how to use the force. She never really learns to rely on her friends as much. In the movies, there are some dialogues or sometimes where her friends are like, leave it to us and stuff. It wasn't really convincing because I still felt like she was doing the main battles all on her own. 
instead of it being a combined force. So there was, for me as the audience, there was less of a connection with these other characters. They were more of like side characters to me that I didn't really feel that connected to. They didn't do a good job of doing character development with them. And like we were saying earlier, these movies are like two and a half hours long, filled with so much different stuff. Two different, three different plot lines all happening at the same time. They could have just utilized that time a lot better. The Mandalorian definitely learned from the mistakes of the new trilogy, and for that reason it's become much more streamlined and much more popular with the public. Baby Yoda has pretty much won the internet, it is the new Mickey Mouse character of Disney. <laughs> Disney is going to be selling Baby Yoda merchandise until we are both six feet underground. <laughs> Anyways, on that note, that concludes our podcast. Thanks for listening and tuning in to Meow Tavern. 